Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're in Detroit, and I'm so thankful for WMEZ Studios and Crawford Broadcasting for letting us record here. It's very exciting for me because I'm actually from Detroit, so I get to hear a bunch of adoption stories from Michigan, and we are so thankful today to have Shannon. She submitted her story to us. She has two adopted girls, one she adopted through private infant adoption, the other through foster care. So she's going to take us down the journey of these two roads. And so if you're thinking about adoption, you can actually process which one would work better for you if you're thinking about, oh, should we do private infant or should we go through the foster care system? Shannon's here to answer some of those questions. So Shannon, thank you for being here. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about the beginning of your story. Why did you and your husband choose adoption? We tried for a couple years to get pregnant with no luck. Um, We did some fertility treatment and still no luck. And we were just feeling like maybe God was calling us to a different path of parenthood. And um, so we started looking at adoption and foster care and asking as many questions as we could to anybody we knew um, who had information on that. Where were you living at the time? We um, were here in Michigan for a while when we started trying to get pregnant, and then we moved to upstate New York. Um, so that's where our first adoption is from. I'm excited about this story because we just got an email from a woman named Bryn, and she was asking me about New York adoptions. And I said, oh, we're going to interview Shannon, and she's going to tell us about it. So you did happen to work with a lawyer in New York, correct? Yes. Yep. Her name is Mary, um, and she was fabulous. She had lots of great experience, and um, we got her name through um, our foster care social workers who we were actually getting licensed through um, when we were presented with this case um, to adopt we knew we needed quick action and somebody who knew exactly what to do, and she turned out to be the perfect person. One of my favorite things about your story is people say, I want to adopt, but I just wanted to kind of stumble along on my path. And usually that doesn't happen, but for you it did. You were on your way to foster care, and this situation presented itself to you. Yes. I always tell people, Talk about your story because you just never know what will happen. So I worked at a library at the time, and a coworker and I were both becoming foster parents, and we kind of always told everyone what we were up to, and that's how we met a friend of our daughter's birth parents. And without us telling everyone our struggles in life, we never would have met her birth parents. And so what was that like? crazy. I mean, it really felt like we were in some sort of dream because it doesn't happen. It's a rarity. We know that. We don't take it for granted at all. Um, Very nerve wracking because we could have met them and they could have said no. And then, you know, your hopes and dreams are crumbled and you got to pick them back up. So um, and also we just didn't know legally what the options were at that time until we met Mary. And then we felt a little bit better that we could get this done. In New York, you have to have custody before the baby is born in order to take the baby home. So we had a little less than two months to get that all done. (laughs) 
Okay, so birth mom was seven months pregnant when you met her? She was, yes. We met her in February, and our baby was born in April. Oh, my goodness. That is really fast. Usually, it takes a home study about six weeks to even be done. Yes, yes. There was lots of favors called in, (laughs) for sure, Um, and a lot of praying and prayers that worked, and uh, a miracle. I mean, she really... The whole situation and our and our daughter was a miracle in so many ways. How much time did you spend with the birth mom? So you said Mary is the lawyer. Birth mom was she with the birth father? She they were yes they were um, just boyfriend and girlfriend. She actually was still married to another man in a New York State that is technically the legal father. So we kind of had a three way. Um, paper. The paper paperwork. had to be signed. Yes, for in three uh, different categories. It was very confusing. But we we met with them twice together with um, their parents. And then we met. Um, I met her a few times after alone. I went to a doctor's appointment with her. Um, we usually spoke on the phone at least once a day. Um, she met with our lawyer a few times. It, it was crazy. What was she like? What was her personality like? She was, you know, a little bit of a lost soul. She um, was very smart. Uh, I think she lost a little guidance in her life, Um, had a few too many bumps in her 21 years. Um, Um, She was young. She was young. But she already had another child with her husband. Um, And I, I just, she just didn't quite know how to be successful at life, at parenting quite yet. But she was smart enough to know that she needed to give this baby up for adoption because she couldn't do it. And she knew the baby would go in foster care, and that's not what she wanted. So I give her a ton of credit for finding us and trusting us and trusting our lawyer. How did you get her to trust you? How do you think you got her to even like you? We wrote um, a little bit about ourselves and kind of presented that to to her and the birth father and um, one of their parents. And so I think our story is real. Um, You know, my husband and I have been through a lot in our lives and we've lived a lot of places and but we knew we were supposed to be parents. And I think she really recognized that. And she trusted that we weren't lying or making up stories. How did you connect with her personally? Um, I think I just cared about her. And I wanted her, I kept saying to her, like, you need the help to deal with this because this is going to be a lot. And I have a background in family and child development. So I, I, you know, I have a little bit of a social worker aspect to myself. And so... Um, I didn't make it about the baby. I made it about her making a good choice and that she was going to have feelings and that, you know, she really needed to work on those feelings with herself and that we didn't just want to dump her in this process. That's a really important part that my husband and I learned on the journey because you want, you're so excited about the baby. So you want to ask all these questions, but approaching birth moms, they don't want you to ask about the baby. They want you to ask about them. They want you to know you know, about their life and who they are and to, to care, how are you during this, you know, hospital visit or doctor appointment? How are you doing? Not necessarily the baby. And that can be really hard for a family because you want to know about the baby. So how do you really, what's your advice on, on balancing that? I always let her lead 
as far as it came to the baby. So I asked her how, how she was doing. Did she need anything? You know, how was she feeling? There was a lot of stressors in her life um, that were brought on in those two short months and not even just about the baby. And so I tried to let her lead as many conversations as I could. And um, surprisingly, she would ask us stuff about parenting, um, which I thought was great because maybe she didn't really – Sometimes I don't think people think about that. And so that was nice. And, you know, we we did talk a little bit about the baby and baby names and things like that, what we thought and um, would I still keep working and what was our house like. And so if she asked, I answered without being overly enthusiastic. But other than that, we I tried to keep it to her feelings and what, what was going on with her and, you know, did she feel comfortable? She was having bad back pain and you know, are you, how are you taking care of yourself? Are you eating? Are you walking too much? Right. Without trying to seem like, don't put caffeine, you know, don't drink coffee, don't damage the baby. You right. know, you want to really care about them. But what did that paperwork look like? You had mentioned that you had to go to birth dad and married father. Yes. What did the married husband do? He was not happy because they had a child together that he was um, co-raising with grandparents um, because Department of Social Services was involved in their lives. Um, So he really was just trying to better himself and get custody and really wanted nothing to do with her in this situation. And our lawyer was great because she's kind of like, well, you do know the laws and you are technically responsible. So when the baby is born, you could get the medical bills. Or you can help us make this a better situation for all of you. And so he, he, you know, hesitantly finally just showed up and signed and came to court, which, I mean, who would want to come to court if you didn't really have to? But his it was a small town, so our lawyer knew his lawyer from his case with DSS, so okay. that helped a lot, too. That's just amazing that you had to jump into everybody's lives and kind of find out things that you probably didn't really want to know, which is just a part of the adoption journey a lot of times, especially when you adopt here in the U.S., is that all of a sudden you jump into a lifestyle that you know nothing of, you know, affairs and uh, just not taking care of yourself. And the simple things that you and I might know, sometimes they don't, and they're living a lifestyle that's shocking. Very, very. I, In two months, it was unbelievable the things that we saw, did, paperwork that had to be signed, um, phone, very strange phone calls. Um, <laughs> I, it really seemed like a crazy soap opera. But, you know, after our second adoption, I kind of realized that it is what it is in, right. this, in this world. <laughs> it is the tornado. It yeah. is the chaos is what is, you know, yeah. adoption is kind of all about. And if you can be tough enough and kind of buck up and go through it, you're going to make it out okay. So but the two months goes by and she's born. What happens then? Um, So we, my husband was out of town because, you know, that's what happens. (laughs) Right. And She's uh, born when the husband's gone. Right. And my parents were out of town too. Um, But I got to the hospital just after she was born and um, amazing experience. I, they hadn't washed her yet. So I got to help with that. Um, and then it was about a day and a half of a little bit of emotional roller coaster for everybody. 
um, it was a small hospital, so we didn't have much support. Um, so we really had to just balance um, our time with the birth family and the baby and some time by ourselves and um, phone calls to our lawyer and a social worker and just get everything, our T's crossed and our I's dotted and make sure we everyone was on the same page before we left the hospital. What should people expect in the hospital? It's going to be very emotional for everybody. Um, you know, you have this birth mom who just gave birth, and that is stressful on your body, on your mind. Um, sometimes they have support. Sometimes they don't. Um, our hospital didn't have a nursery, so the baby had to be in the room with the birth mother um, who isn't 100% capable of taking care of a baby. Um, it, it's... Expect the unexpected and uh, hope for the best and just keep an open mind and know that it's not easy for everybody and you kind of have to walk a little bit on eggshells and go with the flow as much as you possibly can. I think it's a very humbling experience as well because you go in, you're like, oh, we're adoptive parents. Yay. And the hospital's like, we don't care who you are. Right. We're trying to do our job. And a lot of times they don't have procedures in place for an adoption. So you might be in the room with birth mom taking care of the baby together. You might be in the room with birth dad taking care of the baby together. You just don't know what's going to happen and how she's going to react. You might have a great relationship with her, but once those hormones kick in and she mm -hmm. sees the baby, you may see a different side to her as well. Yeah. I um, – we <laughs> – this was before the digital age. So we took um, disposable cameras, and so we gave one to her so she could take pictures and develop them later and have them. We took pictures all together. I would definitely um, try that just because you'll at least have their pictures later in life when your kids are asking questions. Um, we're just now getting this at 10, like, well, who do I look like and um, those sorts of things. So when you're ready, you can pull out those pictures, and they can see you that you were all together. You know, it wasn't a disjointed thing. You right. were with the birth parents and you were doing this together. And so they, we all wanted to be there. And I think that's important. So just capturing those memories, good, bad, and ugly, to tell your story and tell your kids your, the story when, when you're ready. They certainly do ask, and it is very difficult if you don't have answers. We have answers with two of our children and one we don't. And when they're asking questions and you say, I don't, I don't know what they look like. I, don't, I can't answer those. It is much harder for the child than when you can say, yes, I have a picture. Do you want to – let me tell you about them. For some reason, if you're open, they – it's hard for you as a parent, but they accept that and they want to know and they still love you the same and they feel safe. But there's something about not being able to show them a picture of their birth mom. And so when you're in those moments where the baby's born, it is really hard to remember everything. So if you're thinking about it now, okay, I do want to get one picture. Okay, this might happen. You're just a little bit more prepared because it is a whirlwind. I mean, social workers are coming up to you. You've got your agency calling you. You're trying to work with birth mom. Maybe the birth parents parents are there and you're dealing with them and you are now taking on all these emotions where if you just have a baby you just have you and your baby and the nurses are easy <laughs> you know they want to deal with you this is something totally different yeah you can't tell people not to visit because they're I mean you can tell your family but not their family so you're kind of you know you meet all sorts of people that and I this was a small town so I was going to see them at the grocery store so they're right. you know they're going to know who we are now and 
So that's always, that's interesting. You have to be prepared for that too. Now, did you choose an open adoption? We um, open in the fact that we know each other, but um, not that we let them have visitations. Um, the birth father had some issues that didn't allow him to have that. And um, birth mom, we just, we kind of just decided she wasn't in the best place. And um, so we allowed some visits for a few months in, and then she didn't contact us anymore. So we kind of just let it go. One of my favorite things about your story when you were telling me is what your lawyer did at the end. Now, this is totally unheard of. So when I heard what she did for this family, I believed that there were good people out there that place babies and agencies and lawyers can be good and can be on your side and it cannot be about money. Let's talk about what right. your lawyer did. Our, um, like I said, we're from a small town and my husband works for uh, the main company in the town and they do have adoption credit. And so our lawyer knows this and she so, was so great. Um, you know, nobody has money sitting around for an adoption unless you've, you know, been doing fundraising. fundraising and everything else for years, it seems like, some of these families. So she held off in billing us for everything until after the adoption was finalized. And basically, we could turn it into my husband's workplace and then just give her the money that they gave us. So we we had to give her a retainer, obviously, legally. Um, but she... it. It's not about the money for her at all, and she made us realize that by not billing us along the way or as soon as our you know court date was up, well, you owe us this amount of money. She just never – it was never about that at all. Her staff was amazing. I just – I, it breaks my heart when I hear other stories of people with lawyers that have just totally taken advantage of them. Um, I was listening to one of your podcasts this morning, and um, one of them was about the lawyer and how much it, mm-hmm. it cost them. And I, I was like, oh, again, we're so lucky and blessed, and you know, everything was just a miracle. And I feel like the important thing is to just find the lawyer you're comfortable with, and you'll know that it's the right situation. I think that's great advice because really knowing the agency, lawyer, anybody that you're going to be working with long term is so important to connect with them when you're interviewing them. Remember, you're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you. So it's got to be a good connection because it's about to get really stressful when the baby comes or when things fall through. Um, You have to know that you trust them on a certain level because like you said, and you said this when we were talking off air, you're trusting them with your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you trusting them to make the phone calls and to make sure your home study is getting done. And so if they're late for your meeting when you're first meeting your lawyer or they blow you off and don't call you back, that is not a good sign that they're going to have your back through this whole process. And time is, you know, it's not on our side when we're doing an adoption, especially if the baby is coming any day or, um, you know, even if you meet the birth mom at the beginning, it's still only nine months. It's not a lot of time. Right. So you have to be able to work together. And when I heard what she did for you, that she didn't charge you for phone calls and that she just wanted this baby to have a safe home and get family and and parents, it just made me, and I think people listening to this in Colorado will go, oh my goodness, there are people like that. And and that's the kind of people we want to really seek out and we want to highlight them because the ones that are in it for money, I mean, remember, Adoption is a $12 billion industry. The ones that are in it for money 
we have to, as parents, weed those ones out Mm -hmm. because they can't continually get so much money. We ended up paying $45,000 for an infant adoption because the lawyer was just taking so much money from us. And I'm glad we went through it. Um, because we can talk about it now and we can try to be a voice to stop it and educate people. But when you said to me that there are people out there still, I was like so encouraged and happy that, hey, we can direct people to find good lawyers, good agencies, people who care about children because that's what it's about. And bigger isn't always better. I think sometimes we take the billboard attorney and no, we need like small town attorney who wants to change the world and because that's what we're doing. Right. We're changing the world. And so that shouldn't cost $45,000. I'm so happy to have Shannon. And I think so many of you are listening and saying, yes, I need to stand up. And maybe you have an agency right now and they're not treating you right and you haven't even gotten the baby yet. Or maybe you're in the early beginning stages. It is okay for you to switch agencies. You are allowed to do that. It is okay for you to say, this is not working and I don't feel good about it and I'm not going to do it. Because that's your inner being telling you, you have to go somewhere else. And so there are people to to help you and you will get your baby. Don't worry. A lot of times some of these agencies make you feel like we are the only ones that are going to help you get your baby. Or um, you have no choice. We were with someone and they were like, well, if we have a baby, aren't you going to take it? Whether it is disabled or – and, you know, if you're not mentally prepared for that or you don't feel called to that, why should you feel pressured to – to take the baby home, you have to really know what you're looking for and not get pushed back into any corners. You have a right as an adoptive parent to do that. And so Shannon's here to kind of back us up and say that same thing. And she did that and had a very successful uh, private infant adoption. When we come back, we got to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about her experience through the foster care system and getting their second daughter. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. Aspen Park is listening to KLTT, the mighty 670. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Shannon. She has been telling us her story about private infant adoption for her first daughter in New York. She had a wonderful lawyer, and we've just been encouraging everybody, find a great lawyer agency that you feel comfortable with, and you know they're in it for the child's best, not for the money. And so she had this wonderful experience, even though it was complete chaos in two months, getting everything ready before the baby was born. And now they're looking to, in the story, they're looking to adopt again. And so you had moved to Michigan by this time. Yeah, we moved to Michigan. Um, We were, after we had 
uh, adopted Delaney, we still wanted to be foster parents. And so we did finish getting licensed in New York, but we never had any children. Um, but then when we moved to Michigan, we knew we wanted to start right away because it was basically starting from square one. You don't just get to bring your license from New York into Michigan and right. accept children into your home. So uh, we started right away. We moved in August and started our classes to foster that October. And it took um, a whole year. We weren't licensed until the following fall. Um, Why? Why did it take a year? Is that normal? Uh, yeah. Pretty okay. unfortunately, it, it's um, it's a process. Okay. You know, you you have the home study, and you have your house has to be checked more than once, and um, three people have to write your story and send it in, and you know, it's just like doing a private adoption to foster, basically. So anybody who's thinking about doing it, just keep the timeline in mind. You're not going to start the process and be foster parents in six months. I mean, it really is probably a year. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you're thinking about it, start it. That's what I always tell people. You can back out. You don't have to fully get licensed. But at least if you start the process, you're, you've got your paperwork rolling. And so um, don't think twice. Just jump in. And then if it freaks you out, you can, you can back out. walk away. <laughs> okay, so how old is Delaney at this time? Delaney was, um, by the time we got licensed, she was five. She was five. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. she wanted a sibling. She wanted a sibling. When she was two and a half, she asked Santa Claus for a Aww. sibling. So as a parent who can't just, you know, pop a baby out, it's very sad. Um, we had actually never tried IVF before, and that spring after that, Santa Claus incident, we actually tried IVF for the first time. It didn't work, but we felt like we had to, like, you know, put, put right. that whole thing to bed. <laughs> That's really sweet. You know, when your child is asking for a sibling, it is really hard to say no. Right. Because yes. you want them to be happy and not feel alone, and you're going to choose another adoption. So now there's somebody to share you know, stories with. We're right. both adopted. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of what we wanted. We thought adoption would make more sense to her when she witnessed it, you know, with her sibling. Right. So we like, we, we were looking forward to that story. Okay. So you're licensed and how long did you wait? Well, we got one phone call for a baby that was still in the hospital and potentially never going to come out of the hospital. And we had to say no, just because we had a child. And so I know as a mom, if I had a baby, even if it wasn't mine, I would have to be in that hospital 24-7 with right. that baby. So we said no, and we kind of did uh, – my husband's kind of it. He likes to analyze everything. So we we did a, um, a sort of a list of what we would thought we could handle and we couldn't handle. So when we got the next phone call, it would be an easy answer instead of hemming and hawing over it. So what – what could we acceptably take care of in our home and what, what couldn't we? He grew up with a handicapped brother, so there were a lot of things we were okay with, but there were other things that we knew we just couldn't, having Delaney also bring in to our house. So we um, got the call for Emily um, in January after we were – so it took about four months to get the phone call that we actually brought a child home to foster. Okay, so it took you a year to get ready and then four months to be waiting on the list. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what would they say? They called and they said, we have a 10-month-old baby, which I will tell you, uh, age matters <laughs> because 10-month-old, you're thinking, okay, they're almost out of bottles, you know, and so we were getting ready. They called on a Friday. We were going to pick her up on Monday, and we were excited because I always told everybody, if I could go to the store and pick out a baby, you know, like... I would want a nine-month-old girl. And so here they are calling us with this 10-month-old girl. 
And so I was like, well, that's strange. You put it out into the universe. There you go. (laughs) I love your story. Like everything you put into the universe, you're getting. Right. (laughs) I always tell everybody, you got to just say it, you know, say it out loud. You'll just never know. Um, But they told us she was probably going to go back home. So we were we were excited to just have this baby and like have fun with her. But know that maybe her mom was going to get herself together, which was exciting, too. I mean, that's what you want as a foster parent. Um, You know, so we went out and got things ready for her. And Delaney was totally excited excited to um, have this baby come into our house. How did you tell Delaney, though, if you thought that she was going to come home and then not stay, how did you prepare Delaney? It's so funny. Delaney knew we were com- I was coming to talk about this. And so she's like, Mom, do you remember? I was in the bathtub when you told me about Emily. And I was like, you were? And she's like, yeah, I was in the bathtub. I just wrote a, a story about it. I haven't read the story yet, but I'm kind of curious her side of it right. versus what I said to her. But we, we told her that um, Emily's mommy was sick, and so she needed help. And so we were just going to help with Emily until her mommy got better. Okay, so you presented it as kind of you were the babysitters, yeah. but not parents yet. Right. Okay. We were going to have fun with her while God let us ha- take care of her and, you know, hope that her mommy got better. Okay, and so her mommy did not get better. No, no. Which is not. sad, but good that your family grew. Yes. So how then did you go to her and say, well, her mommy's not going to get better, but we get to keep her? Well, we went through a time. Well, it was up and down for almost the whole 22 months until her adoption was done. Sometimes her mom would do well, and sometimes she didn't. And um, so that makes it hard to sort of finally cross over the line. Um, but when we finally had the meeting saying, okay, we're going to go in and terminate her rights, you know, we did ask Delaney, are you happy that Emily will get to stay with us? And you know, by now, she's a terrible two-year-old. <laughs> right. She's like, wait a second. <laughs> wait, can we give her back? Sure, let's give her back. And um, so we were excited, and we talked about um, changing her middle name and what was it going to be. And um, I think for both girls, they were just happy to finally be done with crazy visits that sometimes happened, didn't happen. Sometimes our life, we couldn't do our normal life things because we had to go to visits, and then we would get there, and they were canceled. And so I think everyone just kind of breathed a sigh of relief that we were just going to be normal and go about our day and not be tied to something else. So the 10-month-old baby is named Emily. She got to see her parents, and what were her what were the parents' story? Um, they, her birth mom had four other kids, uh, three living, um, two were with their own dads and then one was also in foster care, but he was older. He was a teenager. Um, the birth father had lost, um, his rights terminated on another child, which is kind of why Emily, part of the reason why Emily came into foster care too. Um, they both had some mental illness. Um, both of them were very selfish, um, in their paperwork we got after the adoption was final, uh, birth mom stressed several times to social workers that she did not want to be a single mother, that she could not handle it. So if she wasn't allowed to be with the birth father, she didn't know what she would do. Um, so it's sad reading that after the fact that it took so long because it was obvious from reading all of that that she did not want to be a parent by herself. One of the things that you had told me about is in your story – is that she had suffered trauma. Emily had suffered trauma as a baby that you didn't know about, and so you triggered her. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah. um, Emily's birth mom was in the hospital, and her birth father was at home with her and a little bit jealous of the attention that the birth mom was getting. 
And so he tried to take his life while Emily was there. Um, he became unconscious, and someone heard the baby screaming. I'm not sure how long she had been in the pack-and-play um, with this unconscious man next to her. We were not told that story, and so she comes to stay with us. I put her in a room, close the door, and she's just screaming. And, you know, you're thinking, okay, well, she just doesn't know us. So she's like, oh, this strange room, but... It, it was everything. Every time we left her some, you know, out of our reach, out of our sight. And um, I think the biggest thing I took away from it was that really you do have to get in the faces of the social worker and say, okay, what trigger, what triggers happened in these, in these first nine, 10 months that potentially we're going to see at home, especially if you have other kids because you don't want them triggering it or, right. you know, getting hurt if it was an older child. So that's the hardest part about being a foster parent is you just don't know their whole story. But you can't completely walk on eggshells with them. You kind of want to bring them in and have a normal life for their first time ever. Right. But it's not 100% possible to do that either. So how were you attaching to her and her to you? Um, We were just together, you know, and I tried to be patient with her needs, especially at night because that seemed to trigger everything with her. Um, we had to teach her how to eat because although she was – they told us 10 months, so we figured she'd been eating for a few months. She came to us at nine months, still hadn't really had any solid foods, any baby food. So we had a lot of teaching to do to catch her up. Um, she had had way too much formula. She was very round. And basically, I think every time she cried, they probably stuck a bottle in her mouth. And so – we had to take that comfort away from her a little bit right. and um, just teach her our new things. So I think we bonded just by like normal baby things, you know, and, and celebrating every milestone that she hit. And, you know, especially my older daughter loved that. Okay, let's eat, Emily, let's eat, you know. And um, when she got the hang of it, I'd say three months into it, she was pretty, pretty finely uh, normal uh, and baby attached and attached and, and yeah we, you know visits got harder because she didn't want to go in with her mom or her siblings and as soon as they brought her out she'd be screaming my name and could the mom at any time have said you know what I'm done with this she doesn't know me I'm not going to be able to take care of her I'm signing the papers she i think she kind of tried. Um, she would write us a note. I have two notes that she wrote to us that we gave the social workers saying, we're so happy she's with you and I know she'll be great and, you know, you're going to give her a good life. And never once did they take that information and sort of say, are you ready to be done? Do you want to keep fighting? And that to me is frustrating I've, because the older kids get, the less likely they're adopted. So if if a mom is really showing signs that she doesn't want to be a parent and that she's happy with the situation her child is in, I really feel like there should be a better avenue for them because then they don't become four, six, eight, and then nobody adopts them anymore. Could she have gone to an agency and had it be a private adoption? I think because Michigan is technically the um, custodian of foster children, I'm guessing not. Okay. You know, it becomes a fuzzy law at that, like, we're not the primary custodians, and I don't think the parents are anymore either. Okay, so no matter what she wanted, you guys were going to have to wait until the state decided, hey, we're done. Yes. And that took 22 months. 22 months. 
So she continually saw her mom for 22 months. You continually took her to the things that you needed to do for the state, had people in your home for 22 months. Yes. That's something to consider if you're yes. going to do foster care. Yes. It's definitely not a fast, fast-paced fast world. Um, and in some cases, it shouldn't be. There are parents who are going right. through detox, and it is going to take them a year, year and a half to fully conquer their drug addiction. So I understand that this this that was not the situation. There was no trying at all. And so it's sad that it takes that long, especially when the birth parent is willing like we love that right. she's in your home. She's gonna have a great home. Right. You've already taken her to Florida. Like, you know, your older child is in school and successful. We know this is a great situation, but you know. So when you had one child, were you close then to more children? I mean, as a foster parent, can you keep saying yes? Um, you, you have to have beds in um, rooms depending on the ages. You know, uh, same sex can be in the, the same room, but everybody has to have their own bed. So we – I think we were still open for another baby, but we actually never ended up even getting a call until towards the end of our journey. Our adoption with date, was, I think, was set, and we got called for two siblings. I'm like, oh, I'm too exhausted for this right now. It just, you know, we just finally got to the end point with one, and I thought, oh, no, we can't start over again. <laughs> what about your husband? How was your husband bonding to her, to the baby? He, it was so funny. When Emily came to live with us, we, he would try to get her to call me Mimi instead of Mommy, just, you know, as much as you try not to, kids just naturally call the female right. in the room Mommy, and so we would we tried hard. We're like, let's create a new name, Mimi, Mimi, Mimi. And so she would start calling him Mimi. So for probably nine months, my husband was Mimi and I was mommy. That is so funny. <laughs> but he, she loved when he came home. It was so, he travels a lot. So, you know, it was nice to see that she was still bonding with him, even though, you know, he has a crazy schedule and isn't always home. But she was always excited, probably even more so than our older child. <laughs> Well, what's nice also is that she had seen a male do crazy things, pass out and right. leave her so that she was willing, even at 10 months, you think, well, they're just little, 10 months, they know to be fearful. Yes. And so the fact that she was trusting him right away shows that she has a very open heart. Yes, and she does. If if you ask anybody about her, it's... As um, strong-willed as she is, she loves people, absolutely loves people, and does not have any sort of trust issues whatsoever. Um, and if she, if whenever she's mad, I think she takes it out on me the most. I'm the easy target yeah, for moms. her. <laughs> of course. <laughs> You'd think it would be dad, but it's not. It was. It's always me. But, you know, she knows that we love her and we're not going to do anything, you know. Does she have any developmental delays? She does not. She We discovered um, with some behavioral issues that she had an uh, intolerance to dye, yellow dye. And How did you discover that? It was so weird. Um, we thought it was red because that's such the number one right. one. So we took that out, and she was still having these episodes. She would just get screaming to the point where all her blood vessels would pop in her around her eyes. It was crazy. And then she'd get stomach issues. And my older daughter's... Um, principal I was telling her about this and she's like um our son has the same thing he's the sweetest kid ever but as soon as he has Doritos he's a psycho so try taking away yellow dye and sure enough like we had taken it away and then she got something and oh she went crazy, she went crazy. I, I mean it's sort of scary to see 
And um, that's really the only thing. And I, it, it scares me sometimes to think that if she'd never come into foster care and she had that issue with parents who didn't know child development or didn't right. think about health in what you're eating. She would be going crazy all the time and they'd probably medicate her. Right, right. And so I look at kids now and every time parents talk about their kids misbehaving, I'm like, try the food first. Try the food first. Absolutely. It's amazing to me how many children have allergies these days. Mm-hmm. And it's really amazing. I mean, we we went through it with our daughter as well. She was actually allergic to rice. And she would just flip out. And it seems like it's behavioral because she didn't get hives. She didn't get, you know, you think about food allergy and you can see a a reaction. The reaction oftentimes is really bad out of control behavior. And nothing even sets it off. I mean, all of a sudden she would just be in a rage and, you know, hit the door. And I think to somebody who didn't take the time to think about that would think she's just ADHD or bipolar or something. And that. And I often think, well, maybe her birth parents had some of those same issues right. and, you know, had, had somebody tried that on them, they could have been a completely different person in their life. And that makes me sad, too. Yeah, but good thing that she's with you where you were able to really uncover that and so that, you know, she was diagnosed correctly. Now that you have two daughters finalized, let's just look at them side by side, those two situations. What do you tell people when they say, I, I'm starting the process, should I do infant adoption or should I do foster care? I the great thing about Michigan is that you can do both. A lot of our agencies here in Michigan, you you know, they also do foster care within those agencies. So I kind of tell people to throw your hat in everything because you just don't know. You know, they might call you with a newborn baby and mom, you know, and it could be finalized in no time at all. Or you get called with a two year old or your your um, home study gets picked from the book you know, on a mom who is giving up her baby for adoption. So I think if you, if you can, um, try it, try it, try it all. Just go for it. <laughs> I, I will have to say to people in Colorado, maybe we should all move to Michigan because <laughs> in Colorado, you are not allowed to do both. You have to choose and you can't be a part of the foster care system. You can't be trained and licensed and also doing infant, you can't do them side by side, which is very difficult. And so oftentimes I tell people, well, do you have $25,000 saved up? Because if you do, let's do infant. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, and you're willing to go through the 22 months of seeing birth parents, and you're willing to get an older child that may have been traumatized, and some people are, you know, you did it. It's Mm -hmm. amazing. And um, and then in that case, you don't have to have all this money saved up. And you can, you know, go down that path. Right. And potentially adopt more children quicker, you know, that that too. If you want to start your family and have your family, then that sometimes is, you know, you could foster a group of three siblings and instantly have a big family. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I, I, I think if you have the support system and you have the knowledge and you're willing to try things, to try things with these kids that come into your house, try different parenting techniques, ask for help. Foster care is amazing. And there are so many kids who are sitting that just want a normal house, that, you know, a normal family, go to school, go to the same school for more than two months at a time. Um, it's so rewarding and you're making a difference. And I think that's what we want as parents is just to make a difference. 
Absolutely, that is the most important thing. And being on the same page with everybody together for the best of the child. And so I just appreciate Shannon coming on and telling her story. I hope it helped you kind of sift out maybe the path that you're on and maybe different routes that you want to go on. But the bottom line is, is that she has two beautiful girls. I'm going to put her picture on Facebook and you can see her family. Also, if you would like to reach out to us, maybe you have a story and you'd like to be on Adoption Now, you can find us on Facebook. Don't forget to like our page. Remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.